will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Hey, morning Leverage Addicts. Today we have Hadley, as you can see in uh, Catch Up on the Saturday morning, and we are going to go over a couple of things that you guys have been talking about and wanting to learn more about. And that is, first of all, how you find properties and build instant equity. Secondly, we're going to look at the cash flow positive deals. Uh, and then also the third one is looking at how you can recycle that deposit out because cash flow is one thing. Sometimes if you're in a position where you need to build up the equity, then you really want to go for those deals where you can add value, recycle the deposit so that you can go again. Uh, but one thing that we need to note before we dive in is that often property strategy is not one size fits all. Okay. And what I mean by that is that you can't just emulate somebody's strategy in your current situation because your financial position could be completely different. Okay. And so what you need to understand are two things. Okay. And this is how you will determine what strategy is going to be best fit for you. The first one is understanding your cash flow position because that's going to affect your borrowing capacity. And then the second one is understand your accessible equity position. And that is how much deposit you have. Now, if you think of a person that has a lot of equity and a lot of cash flow, of course, they can go to the bank and just borrow anything and do any strategy that they want, right? The thing that they will need to focus on is really what's going to fit their lifestyle and then probably try to find the best bang for buck. And what I mean by that is looking at the returns. So for example, you know, they might not need a cash flow property as much as a land bank opportunity where traditionally have shown the best gains long-term, right? Meaning if you buy a land bank because of the development potential in the main city and there are infrastructures being put in place, government spending to build more hospitals, schools, etc., those traditionally have shown the best gains long-term. But to hold on to that, you're going to need substantial cash flow or you want to put a big cash deposit in. So that's not a strategy for everybody. But for someone who's short on deposit and short on borrowing, there is still a strategy. There's a strategy for absolutely everybody. But someone who's starting out, the thing that they might want to focus on is JV or joint ventures where they can add equity on the property and then cycle some of that back out. Or they might even look to flip so that they can convert the cash and then they can build up the deposit that way. So there are strategies for absolutely everybody. And what we're going to do today is not only is Haley going to share some wisdom here, but also some of the deals that he has gone and done with his clients uh, recently. So I think he's got about two today. Yeah, very cool. yeah, awesome. But you guys don't know who Haley is. We've had another episode in the Leverage Attic podcast on the YouTube. Please check that out so that you guys can get to know Hadley a little bit more. Today, we're going to uh, focus more on the deal. So I'll let you sort of kick off and, and talk about, you know, what's been happening on your side and then um, sort of how you came about these deals. Yeah, cool. In terms of these two deals, the first one here that we'll share with you is more so a cash flow, uh, sorry, is more so an equity based deal. There's some cash flow in it. It's where the more so the focus was around how do we maximize the person's equity gain in this, but also to make sure that we're covered from a cash flow perspective. So the numbers in that one are, are pretty good. The second one, that we've got is more a cash flow deal, but there's also some significant upside with that later on down the track. Both of these deals that we got were on market deals. And I think 
that's probably one thing where a lot of people get sort of tied up is like people go searching for off-market deals because they think off-market deals are going to always give them the the best results. Chances are people pay more for off-market deals because vendors go, I've got no, nothing to compare this to, so let's go and put our price where we think our price is. The, the person that's buying it, sorry, I go. I was going to add to that because for me, well, there'll be agents, right? Agents always come to you and go, hey, do you want to sell your property? But you don't want to really put in the effort to go, hey, I want to put on the market. I got to get the tenants out. Like there's so much you need to do to actually put on the market properly. So often you might just tell the agent, oh yeah, I'm selling this property, but I'll only take this price. So that's why not very often the off-market deals are undervalued unless they're going direct, you know, they're doing mail drops, et cetera. But there are opportunities, definitely. But most yeah. cases, is like vendors <laughs> like myself, is like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll sell the property. But if you can bring me that price, bring me that price tag, I'll I'll consider it. And so that's why, like, what sort of to add to Hadley uh, what he's saying and the insights around it. Yeah. Also, too, it's, it can also be handy too for a vendor to get a bit of uh, market exposure as well in terms of you know property's been on the market for a month or property's been on the market for two months, uh, agents sort of, uh, let agencies go for 90 days. So the closer it gets to the 90 days, the the agents also got a bit more, uh, a bit more sort of drive to get a, to get a property sold. The vendors had two months of, hey, your property's not worth what you think it is. Uh, and then that also opens up sort of opportunities as well with that. So uh, these ones here, I'll jump in and I'll, I'll share my screen. And um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with the back unit um, on this place. So this one here is uh, six one two Frederick Street in Mahora and Hastings. Um, so we bought this was on a cross lease section. So we don't normally buy cross leases uh, unless a the deal is exceptionally good or b we can purchase uh, both of them. So depend on it a little bit. Like, what's your rationale around cross lease? Uh, you, cross lease is just quite limited in terms of what you can do. Uh, in terms of extending the building, you've got your your flats plan, and you have to if you want to change anything uh, to the exterior or to the house that's not within the the footprint, you have to get the neighbours' consent. You've got to change the. Um, the flats plan for that to happen. So we, we haven't got a defective title. Uh, and then if you want to subdivide the property, then you've got to get the, the neighbor's consent to, to do so. So uh, generally we tend to, to steer away from them unless they're, um, you know, they're, they're really solid. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. Yeah. So in terms of this one here, this is a, a two bedroom house on the front. You can see here, there was a carport that was converted uh, into another bedroom. This here belongs to the front house, which we'll um, cover off as we as we get there. Or oh, you can see through the the gap there. Um, but the house was the house was pretty tidy. The driveway is a bit narrow, um, but we could buy the the entire section. Yeah, um, so this was yeah. a Hastings property, and actually, if you are listening to the podcast, it's quite good condition. It's kind of renovated, I would say. Yeah. 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 So we we didn't have to spend a whole lot on this. There were just some draft stopping stuff for healthy homes that needed doing. The carpet was fine. The paint was good. Um, 
it was, that, that was the only healthy homes um, sort of issue that we we had. Um, but as you can see, everything's fairly tidy and um, you know, ready to to rent. The other sort of future uh, potential that we've got with this place here too is that I'll just scroll through. Do I get back to the garage? Uh, is that there's potential for the got too far. There's potential here in the there's a garage to the left hand side here, um, which we've spoken to council about around converting into a two-bedroom sleep-out, um, which, is, which is doable. So this is where Blandon was talking earlier about, you know, what does your strategy look like and what's going to work for you? So when we were talking to the clients about this one, we're like, right, we've got options here that do we convert the, the garage? And that means that it's going to reduce your saleability for this property later on down the track because we've got uh, you know, a four-bedroom house, no parking or no indoor garage parking. Uh, so it's probably going to be put some people off. Um, if this is a property that we're only looking to hold for the next 10 years, the yield's good. Let's just get it subdivided, hold it, and then you can sell it as a two-bedroom unit with a two-bedroom garage, which is going to add a uh, a whole lot more appeal to, uh, you know, to prospective buyers. So, in terms of plan for this place, we're going to leave the garage as is because they're okay with the cash flow position, and they the clients at this stage you know can't be bothered with with dealing with council uh, from a, a renovation building consent perspective. But what we are going to do in the next twelve months is just subdivide this uh, back section off into one, and then the the front house off into two. So so essentially, is it like what you're saying is like okay, like as a standalone sort of house, right? If you just look at this listing by itself, it's a cross lease, not that strong. It's a nice house, like cash flow is okay. And you don't have much uh, future potential, but the opportunity was to also buy the back, back house as well. That really made the difference. Yeah. So initially we looked at just buying the back house because the yield was at about, it was a close to 10%. And then with buying the back house and combining that, our yield dropped by about two. Um, but the upside there being that we've got complete control over what happens across the whole section. Um, the other thing is that two-bedroom units in this area, nothing sells below sort of 470. So we'd we'd got ourselves a, a huge amount of equity in the, the purchase of the property, uh, but also to we've we've got now got a freestanding house rather than, you know, or we will have a freestanding house rather than the comparables, which are all sort of cross-leased units um, like a behind this um, this particular house as well. Can you just walk us uh, through the high-level numbers? What was like the total cost uh, and, and then what's what was the uh, sort of uh, appraisal or, or comparable markets analysis? Yeah, so... Yeah, so in terms of what they they were initially listed for seven ninety, so three ninety five for this unit, and I'll jump over and show the photos of the front one. So three ninety five for this one, three ninety five for the back. So they wanted seven ninety uh, for both of them. Uh, we got them down. We got them for seven hundred and forty. Um, so we sort of a sixty k saving there. There's about across all four uh, across all three units. There's about uh, forty thousand dollars worth of renovations that that have been complete there. Um, plus our fees gets us into uh, all in for eight hundred. 
uh, and then we're getting 1,250 a week for uh, for all three of them. So we're sitting at about an 8.1% uh, gross yeah. yield after after all costs. I think this one will sit quite well on a lot of the first-time investor because they're often a little bit scared on the properties that are like, you know, in a lot worse condition that yeah. we would want to buy, you know. So when we see yeah. like a run-down house, it's, it's, it's gold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. it's very tidy, so it's uh, definitely suited for a lot of the newer investors. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And from a, a CMA perspective, um, we set it at about nine fifty. When you you look at everything else that's around the area that's uh, that's sold recently, so there's also a you know one hundred and fifty k of equity that that sits there as well. Um, and that, that's going to vary a little bit from valuer to valuer, but that's roughly sort of where we sort of see it from a, a high-level perspective. So let me just reiterate and making sure that I understand as well. So essentially, your total subdivision cost plus any touch-ups on renovations plus finder's fee, uh, the total cost is 800000 yeah. Sorry? Sorry, mate, yeah. We haven't done the subdivision as yet. That's uh, That's a stage two. Um, thing that we're going to do in 12 months. The main thing is just to get them rented as quickly as we possibly can. And then the subdivision is going to come uh, in sort of 12 months as a, as a stage two added bonus. At the moment, the other cross-lease properties in the area are sort of sitting around that 450 to 550 uh, range for a, a two-bedroom unit. I might have missed it. So what is it that you're adding to the property? Because this one is quite renovated. Or is it the back one that's quite run down? No, they're, they're both they're both in really good condition. There's not um, there's not anything that, that's hugely run down. Uh, it's more so just been around like bathroom tuck. There's there are a couple of things in the shower that needed doing. Healthy homes curtains, um, you know, nothing um, nothing huge. But those little things across three units uh, don't take long to to add up. That's good. That's good. And so, are there a rough idea on what it might cost us up the bike to, to get the maximum uh, valuation on this? Not as yet. We've had sort of varying quotes from surveyors that have said between 40 and 70. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we when we get to it. But the, the sort of first thing was if we can control the whole section, we've got uh, a sort of stage two of it. And I think that's really important when you're looking at property as well, is like today and here we've got X, but what does stage two look like for us? What can we do in the future that's going to also add that that additional value? That's awesome. That's a that's a really cool deal. So this one here is sort of a, a mixture where you've got a full land bank that's allowing you to have better long term growth. Um, also, you've got decent cash flow uh, while you're holding on to it. Uh, are there any sort of uh, social housing contract on this one or was it not in the right area? Uh, yeah, no. So we've got social housing uh, contract for all of them. Um, so 450 wow. for the two bedrooms and 350 for the one bedroom at the front. That's that's really good work. So essentially you're, you've got an 8% yield property. It's got full section, which means, you know, you can do the subdivision and you can, you can build a new build for the future. Uh, and it's got interest deductibility because it's got the social housing contract. So all in all, a really, really good deal for like a probably a beginner investor that just wants a bit, something tidier, even for the medium investor as well. I think 
that's certainly a, a, a very awesome deal. Yeah, and in terms of where it is, because um, it's really centrally located, it's pretty sought after in that that the area that it is. Um, I was saying to the clients when I was talking to them about it, it'd be a property that I'd buy that I wouldn't sell. Um, because I think the yeah, the, the land value and and the location is gonna be one of the ones that are gonna take off in the next um, you know, in the next cycle and and high demand. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe we can jump into the second one. What 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 do you have there? Yeah. Uh, this one yeah, actually I know quite a bit about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, in terms of this particular property, um, this is one that we bought for for two lots of clients at at once. So there's a uh, there's a line that basically goes down. So we bought these two for one client and these two for the other, um, both at the same time. So these are I'll just bring the photos up so you can see them. Were they freehold title or cross lease? Uh, so these are two freehold titles. So the the two on the right are freeholded. The two on the left are freeholded. So the the sort of long term view with this, there's already resource consent to chop these up into individual titles. The yeah. the only downside to it is in getting that resource consent executed is there's another two that are to the left of this that are included in the resource consent. So we've got to get them to do it at the same time as everyone so else. We can them. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> But essentially, uh, just to walk high level, this is what I'm seeing on the screen is a freehold section. It's got four units on it, uh, but the four units are spread over two freehold titles. Uh, if you're looking at the whole section, it's about 1.4 million, but we were able to find two separate clients to buy one side each, and that made the deal work because it wasn't easy just to go, okay, we've got 1.4 mil. Um, to to put in the deal, we we pretty much lowered the risk by spreading it like that. Yeah, exactly. The the other to give you just some more insight about the area. So these ones here are in Bluff Hill and Napier. Um, so Bluff Hill's sort of the area or one of the areas to to live. Um, just down there's like four hundred meters to the middle of town, uh, and then there's sort of nothing that sells in here from a a two-bedroom house perspective for any less than sort of five four seventy to, to five twenty. So there's also um, a chunk of equity. The other thing we really liked about these is they're all brick based. Um, so we've only got a, a tiny bit of weatherboard up the top there from a maintenance perspective, uh, and the the bricks obviously long wearing keeps your house warm. Um, and the the tenants that were in there um, have been there for for a long time. But um, yeah, take really good care of the house. The other thing that we're gonna, when we look at the kitchens, uh, in terms of keeping them from a rental perspective, these kitchens are the best kitchens that you can get or that that you can have. They, um, if you water in them, they they don't swell, and it's a case of painting them and, and putting some new handles on them to to smarten them up. Um, if we're gonna sell them later on down the track, then definitely new kitchens have got to go in there. But from a rental perspective, um, with these, they don't swell. They're hard to damage, and they they get some some really good longevity out of them. Um, I love it when the, I see the steel bench, eh? the steel bench top. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, minimal minimal damage. Yeah, um, backyard's pretty small and pokey. 
So maybe we can just walk over the high-level numbers first. So what did we end up sort of purchasing the mat and what sort of uh, rent or yield was this expecting? Yeah, so we've purchased them for six seventy-five uh, each in terms of each block of two. And then from there they're getting they're gonna get twelve hundred and seventy dollars a week out of, of rent uh from them. So we're sitting at about a nine point four percent uh gross yield all in there. Yeah, and then of course there's the finder's fee and then uh, are there some that, healthy ones um yeah that needs to be put in? So that, that nine point four is including uh our fees. It's just um there's also a little bit and there I've also allowed ten grand. Um, just to to fix up the couple of uh, small healthy homes things because they're pretty much ready to go. Um, so that's yeah, sort of all in for for seven oh five, and then that one thousand two hundred and seventy dollars a week from a, a rental perspective. Um, and they're also going to end up in, or two of them are, are definitely going into social housing. The other two, the um, the clients aren't quite sure whether they're going to go down that that route or not. I see. Yeah, they still have a little bit of. Uh, this disbelief they need to see 10 other ones working first potentially potentially <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but we'll um, I love my social housing contract you know I don't have to worry about anything and then and then sorted they will fix everything and I was like why would I not take one <laughs> yeah. and it's deductible even even better exactly that's um, awesome um, so with this deal, uh, like how did you end up sort of getting the two people together? Uh, to be real, we work with you guys around, hey, we've got one, we've got the other side of, of the building that'll be a, a cracking deal for someone. Uh, have you got someone that's a, that's a fit? Uh, and so it happened that there was someone else that was looking for something similar. Um, yeah, they came through to us. We had a chat with them, gave them the rundown of how everything works and the the rest is the rest is history, so to speak. Um, Definitely, what we try to do as well is obviously this group is uh, the our, our, our main sort of clientele where we will try to present some deals if there are that we think are worthwhile to pursue. Right, so it, it works well. It's like well, you're learning, and then you see some live deals, and then you know you're on top of mind because you're you're in the group. Right, so I think it's a it's a win win for everyone. Yeah, ex exactly. Um, so yeah, that that worked that worked really well. Um, and then also too, in terms of like a um, a future planning for for these ones and the the stage two type of thing that we spoke about with the last deal is that because they're as close to town as what they are, uh, they're going to be really appealing for people. Uh, as an on-sale opportunity for someone that just wants like a, a lock and leave house, um, that then the, the clients are going to spend some money, put new kitchens and new bathrooms, um, paint, carpet, just the, the basic cosmetic stuff, um, give the outsides a bit of a, a bit of a tidy up, and you're going to have something really appealing there for professional people or, or couples that want to move into town uh, or want to just walk to work and, and back. So location for this one was was also one of the the key things we thought, you know, we're onto something really good here. Yeah. So I've got a block of three units in Napier. Like I've had it since it's a joint venture, like with a friend. And they've never had vacancy. It's like the the rental demand is so high. 
it's it's kind of insane. It's like they they move out, like someone moves in, like pretty much next day. Or maybe my property manager is just super awesome, and sometimes you don't even realize it. Yeah, but never had a vacancy rate since 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um the the rental demand down there is this huge. Um, I mean, I say vacancy rate. I say no vacancy since 2019. Yeah. Yeah, the the rental demand down there is insane, and I think that was the the other thing too. Is when the when the cyclone came through, there were a lot of people who were really nervous about uh, about the area and about Napier, and that's where we picked up uh, the Frederick Street properties were around the time that the the cyclone had been through. Um, so I think it's also important when you're out there and you're looking is that. If there are things that that happen, or there's a disaster, or something goes wrong, is that make sure you fully investigate where the actual areas are that did get that did have any damage, um, because the Frederick Street one, well, none of the properties that we manage in Napier had any damage to them, other than one of the fences got blown over slightly. Um, the two the Frederick Street properties, there was um, yeah. You you drove through and went what cyclone? There was just nothing that that had happened to them, so it, it's really important rather than just looking at the news and and them showing the Esk Valley, which is when you drive through that is is horrific, uh, mm-hmm. and you definitely wouldn't you know want that to happen to you. There's other places that that weren't affected anywhere near as, as much, uh, and so it's just about being vigilant and making sure they're doing your, your due diligence to to check all that stuff out. Yeah, and I always find that when there are big changes. There are opportunities and there are deals to be had. Like, you know, if everyone is saying, oh, you know, we're going to put it on hold. Oh, we're not going to do anything. Oh, we're going to make, going to see what's going to happen. Then that's like a really good time. If majority people you you hear are saying that, like the vendor that still have the property on the market, they want to sell it, mm. right? And they, they know it's like everyone is talking about waiting. I, I've seen so many good deals during those times, like the tax rule change, the LVR rule change, uh, like government, um, like introduce some sort of thing that affects everyone. There's usually something, um, some deals in the market just because people will be like, oh yeah, 10, 20,000, 30,000, like, you know, they're already lowering their reserve price, right? Because of the changes. Yeah, it, it's happening in the moment with talking to people around the election. There's the sort of every time there's an election, people hold off buying, but people also too hold off selling until finding out what happens on October the fourteenth or whatever you know date the, the previous elections have been on. Um, but there's always, like Delaney said, there's always opportunity, uh, and with you know, the, the same thing with Christmas, like every year December, probably the best month to buy. Because everyone's worried about beers and barbecues rather than um, you know seeing what's what's out there, and everyone loves a Christmas present. So just something something to bear in mind as we get closer to the the um, the end of the year as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always we need to remember that if they're still on the market, they want to get rid of it. It's like if if they're like, okay, well, I want, I don't want to get rid of it, then they'll just wait till like okay after summer. Like everyone comes back from their holiday, then then listed on the market. If they're not urgent, but if they still listed at that time, it's, they want to they want to get rid of it. 
That's good. Um, so really appreciate. It. I think uh, we might close up the workshop there. We yeah, sort of gone over time a little bit, but really appreciate your time, Hadley. Thank you for sharing. And I'm sure if the team wants to learn more, sort of get some help in that area in terms of finding, they'll reach out. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for your time, guys. Thanks for showing up this morning.